0: Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and me, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome, everybody, to another edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. Last time we had on Bishop Battersby, and he actually heard the audible voice of God, and he said he was changed forever because of it. How cool would that be? How amazing. This episode, we have another special guest on. He's quite well-known around the Archdiocese. He's been a pastor of many parishes, and he's running a new organization uh, to help priests and parishes out called Acts 29. So welcome, Father John Ricardo, to the podcast.
1: Thanks, brothers. Great to be with you. Good to be with you, too, Father.
0: Father David, how are you doing, trusted co-host?
2: Oh, doing doing good as always uh yeah good day today it's,
0: if you could see the smile on his face right now you would just be uplifted right now <laughs> it's radiating
1: <laughs> the whole room that's it that's he, it he, this is the vocation picture right here man like exactly. this is the joy of the priest <laughs> he's on a I lot just, of the
0: pictures too everywhere just say yes <laughs> yeah well i was having uh, a difficult day a little bit today and uh, father david came into my office before the podcast and he just uh like you said, put a smile on my face. So it was wonderful. And so it's great to have you here today with us. It's right. always good to be here. Father John, any blessings going on in your life before we go into uh, your vocation story?
1: Yeah, I just came across, we were just talking about before we came on the air, an extraordinary homily from one of our brothers, uh, Father Bob LaCroix, here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, that uh, I guess he gave a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, Someone had passed along to me today. I had a chance. I didn't listen to it. I, I guess you listened to it, right? I did. I
2: did, yeah. There's an there's a audio and I believe a video version of it up okay. on your website.
1: I read Holy the family. text. Anyway, that it it was so remarkable. I sent it to a friend of mine who's an archbishop. He responded immediately like, I got to translate this into Spanish. Wow. Um, I sent it to another priest friend of mine in another diocese. Another he called archbishop? Me. No, just a friend. <laughs> a priest friend. <laughs> and, um, but he, he sent something back. Um, and just said, uh, left me a voice message and just said, uh, like, this is so heroic yes. and so manly. And he said, like, we need Eleazars. That's the theme for today. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've been in Maccabees, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. where we were on, uh, in, in scripture and um, some of these tremendous heroes of the faith. And he just says, we need people who are willing to not eat pork. We're just eating pork, mm-hmm. we're compromising in so mm-hmm. many ways. And what I loved about what Father Bob did was uh, it was very, um, it was very direct. It was pointed to the issue, but it was just dripping with charity. Yes. It was clear and, and yes. charitable all at the same time. It's just a model for how to preach on difficult topics, and, and, uh, and I was it, just so encouraged.
2: Absolutely, hmm. and it just it, it impressed me as I as I watched it. That it just. Uh, his heart for his people, his pastor's heart for his people, came through in it all. You know, like this was, this was something that he was, uh, he was moved to do in response to to something that one of his parishioners wrote him. Yep. And uh, and so this was this was his pastor, his fatherly heart, uh, just giving that, being the voice of clarity.
1: So I sent it to another guy. I mean, I, I literally sent it to like three people in thirty seconds. Uh, this guy was um, used to teach at the Naval Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. Used to be a Top Gun pilot trained fighters, his response to me. So he taught leadership at the Naval Academy. Now That's right. Some I other am work.
0: dangerous. I yeah, you met him. <laughs> <I> <laughs> did. Commander Kevin Hayden. Yeah, he's a good guy.
1: And so his response is amazing, edifying, brave, a true priest, a man, all caps. Mm. God bless him and his flock. Uh, uh, so it's just, it's a great way to get into a, a talk on priesthood, right? Because mm. God is so eager um, to tap men on the shoulders. Who are willing to be courageous and to lead, and and but courageous doesn't mean to be rude, yeah, you know, no. or to be brash or to or to put somebody in their place. Courageous means, hey, I, I'm being I'm being called to speak into something. I want to speak into it with the heart and the mind of Jesus, so as to win you. That's it. Yeah, and it, it was just spectacular.
0: So, and it's different than what the culture says with like toxic masculinity. That's right. That somehow that we're doing something wrong where you can be manly and, and at the same time be charitable and loving, you know? So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. the whole essence of love is you care, you get involved, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like love acts, it doesn't go, oh yeah, I guess it's good for you to play in the traffic in the street, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to impose on you, Yeah, you know, like love mean. does something, you yeah. know, but it doesn't yell at you for playing in the street, it says, Uh, that wasn't a good thing for you to have done. (laughs) Let me tell you why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than that, it's been a boring day. Well,
0: (laughs) I mean, hey, responsibility is actually a beautiful thing. A lot of people think, you know, I'll be happy when I don't have to do anything or when I retire and I'll just sit around all day Mm -hmm. long. And that's not the essence of finding joy and fulfillment. It's about rising to the challenge Mm, that God is calling us to. And so I'm I'm excited about uh, listening to this uh, homily.
2: Yeah, you should, you should. And that's, uh, Father John, that's one of the things that Father Craig talks about a lot, even with, um, his approach to priestly vocations, that this isn't just an invitation, it's something more, it's, it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge to, to lay down your life as Jesus did. Um, and that's, that's the heart of the priesthood. God wants you. Yeah. And (laughs) and, you
1: know, you and I have talked about this father, because, uh, you know, some of the work that we do, but I'm just passionately convinced that nobody alive right now, uh, is alive by chance. Hmm. like It's not Mm -hmm. a historical accident that you're living right now. God could have created you and me and anybody listening to be alive at any moment in history, but he didn't. He chose us to be alive right now in the midst of everything that's happening, whether it's in the the country or the world or the church, and he's given us gifts, whether they're supernatural or natural. And the task, especially you know, for everybody, but we're speaking to men here in a particular way. The task for a man is to say, "Lord, what are you asking me to do? What, what's mm-hmm. the plan for my life?" Because I don't know about you guys, I just I think every man longs to be heroic, mm-hmm. uh, to defend people, to love people, to be magnanimous. And it's it what what's happened, unfortunately, is our examples of heroes are so often just not really genuinely heroic.
0: They're anti-heroes.
1: Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm not impressed by a guy who's 6'8 who can dunk, <laughs> you know, like that's great, but yeah. like <laughs> I, I used to be able to dunk at 6'2", you know, so like, yeah, yeah. so what? You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by a man who responds to the challenge of the time, who uses yeah. what God's given him to love, to, to follow the gospel, to sell out for Jesus yeah. uh, and to go make a difference in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. What did Chesterton say? Any dead thing can float down the river. It takes someone to swim up it. Amen. So, yeah. Someone living.
2: And that that uh, that call to excellence. You know, it's it's a challenge, but it's deeply fulfilling when you live it. You know, it's it's. Uh, yeah. It's it's when you're just seeking comfort all the time that you find yourself bored. Yep. You know? Yeah. When you when you rise to the challenge, you find a, a deeply fulfilling life.
1: Yep. My father was my my hero in my life. He's gone now. He died at 91. And uh, all my siblings and all the grandkids and the great grandkids, they would sum up my, my dad's life uh, or his exhortation to us with two words, be great. Mm-hmm. Mm. But understand what greatness means. Greatness means to love well. Yeah. Love God mm. and love your neighbor. Yeah. And uh, that, that's the call to a man. Be great. Two don't, greatest don't commandments. Love right. right. God, love mm-hmm. your neighbor. Yeah, Don't settle for mediocrity. Yeah. That's it. That's awesome.
0: Well, Father David, I'm going to be a man here and, and admit my mistake and, and laughing at you on the last podcast. Ah, uh, yes. As I asked you what was on your holy card, and you couldn't tell me the scripture passage.
2: I, can, I have it here now. I can tell you now. Okay, well, let me apologize <laughs> first.
0: <laughs> I... Uh, I realized that when I said what was on my holy card, what was Psalm 31, is not the psalm that's on my holy card. (laughs) Nice! (laughs) It's Psalm 30, so Uh I apologize to you, uh, knowing that uh, we all make mistakes and we forget sometimes.
2: That's it. Apology (laughs) accepted. Awesome. You want to
0: read to us what's on your holy card? I I would love to. I would love to. The quote is from Hebrews, and it's
2: this, Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God. Hebrews 9.14. Offering, it,
0: yeah. Father John, oh, what of priesthood on? right there. Yeah. I love it. His priesthood, not ours, you know? What was on your holy card?
1: If I had a holy card right now, <laughs> it, would be, it, would, it would be Romans 116. Mm. But the gospel is the power of God for salvation, mm. and I am not ashamed of it.
0: Mm. Awesome. Uh, Amen. I think I might have changed mine would to, um, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong.
1: Mm. I have no experience of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Father David, any uh, special blessings going on in the past month?
2: Well, you know, one, uh, one big blessing for me, I got. Uh, I try to get into the schools every so often and hmm. uh, teach the classes. So I taught, um, I spent a whole day a couple weeks ago teaching the juniors in high school morality class. They were just beginning their unit on life. And so we talked just about the sanctity of human life, and it was some amazing conversation. Hmm. Some some tough conversations, but some good conversations. And these kids were uh they were jumping into it and wrestling with uh with the questions. And it's just that's very edifying to see as as a priest, right? That uh people are willing to to listen to what the Catholic Church has to say and, and wrestle with it. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. So that was my that was my, my blessing.
0: Yeah. Well, um we talked a little bit about how I we went hunting, uh I was going to go hunting, and we finally went. And like I told everybody, all the deer are safe. We didn't get any. I did. <laughs> I did have a shot actually, but it was kind of far away, and I didn't take it, thinking that I would have a better one. But I didn't recognize that that would have been that was my best shot. I was thinking weekend. it was bourbon. Yeah, that was the <laughs> shot, no? <laughs> yeah, not on this trip. Um, and then I also did took t- took another trip right after that. That was the second part of my vacation where I met a whole bunch of classmates. A couple of classmates of mine uh in nashville and we ate some good barbecue looked at some uh cool bands playing and uh went to some art museums although one art uh show keeps on following me all around and it's 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 gotta be from the devil or something huh? but you know art shows from different museums travel around and there's this one going around called the supernatural hmm. and I've never gone in it, so I don't know what's in it, but every different museum, I think three different museums, this show has been there and I just won't go in it because there's like Ouija mm. boards all Ooh, over the yeah, floor before right. you get in and everything like that. And I'm like, I, I just, I don't want to have it. You should get to the
1: threshold, bring some
0: holy water. Yeah, there right, you go. next <laughs> time, next time I go to art museum because it will probably be there too. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father John, uh, however you want to tell your vocation story would, uh, would delight our listeners.
1: Oh, wow. Where do you even begin, right? So, uh, you know, I was thinking about that just uh, anticipating uh, talking about this. I I guess here's how I'd begin, and then I'll let you guys ask maybe whatever you want. So, I'm 25 years ordained now, 26 in May. Um, Went into seminary when I was 25, I think.
0: What were you doing before you got into seminary?
1: So, I was working, I was actually working at Ford right before I came in, most recently. Before that, I had worked at a nonprofit. Uh, doing development work, which turns out to be great prep for priesthood, right? <laughs> um, and at Ford, I was repossessing things, which was also great work for the priesthood, right? <laughs> as you get ready to repossess souls. Um, but th- the way I would describe it now, so you talked about Bishop Battersby here in an audible voice, uh, I did too. Um, hmm. So I had I had gone through um, by this point in my life, I had uh, dated somebody pretty seriously for six, seven years. I had ended that relationship, had thought of living in a community of guys who were uh, ecumenical, so Catholic, Protestant, both, uh, who worked on college campuses, mostly in the country, but some international as well, doing evangelization. So I lived with them for about a year and a half. Just tremendous guys inspired me greatly, but I I couldn't fathom living single to work on college campuses Mm. because they've made a commitment to live single for life. Uh, so I left them, and then I was uh, I was dating again, and, and I personally just found it really unfulfilling. Um, so now I'm at Ford, and I'm 25, and I'm I'm all I know is I have this desire to be great. Hmm. Um, I had uh, at that point in my life, I was living in Ohio which for a Michigan guy was like being in the middle of hell. I lived (laughs) across from the Buckeye Shopping Center. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, wow, really, Lord? Um, And uh, I was praying every day. I mean, I I read scripture like crazy. I'd gotten into the habit of praying uh, to start the day when I was a child, I think. Um, But I wasn't going to mass. If you'd asked me, like, do you believe in the real presence? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Well, why don't you go? I don't know. Hmm. it was just kind of probably lazy in lots of ways but i i knew jesus um i was kind of putting him off but i knew jesus hmm. and uh so one day i'm i'm walking around uh the parking lot where my office was and i was trying to figure out what to do with my life i had applied to go back to michigan to get my mba which i didn't want to get cuz i came from a family with a fair amount of means and i knew i didn't want money i wanted meaning yeah hmm. and uh, as I was reading scripture, I just, uh, I read a passage. I, I knew the Lord was talking to me and I just said, Lord, I don't get it. What do you want me to do with my life? And I heard him say, uh, John, I'm inviting you to live single and to do it as a priest. Mm. And I went, you gotta be kidding me.
0: Audibly you heard this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I knew it was God cause like it certainly wouldn't come from the devil. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: but you were dating someone and you weren't.
1: I had just broken up with a girl and, okay. uh, or with a woman and um, but I just never thought of I'd never thought of priesthood. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about priesthood. Um, you
0: weren't even going to mass.
1: I wasn't even going to mass. I read Paul, that's that he was my model for a priest. And um, but my experience and I just as I describe this now, it's as if I heard the Lord say this, and it was like he tapped me on the shoulder from behind and I turned around. And he pointed and he says, that's what you're looking for.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And, so, and I saw it and I went, Lord, if that's true really to you, you've got to give me a desire for that. Cause, cause I don't, I don't want to forego family. And, um, so I prayed that I said, if that's really you, you got to give me a desire. And I think seriously, like that took a day. I, I think I had this encounter on a Wednesday. I, I woke up Friday with incredible clarity about my life. Like, I think God's called me to be a priest. I remember calling the vocation director here, uh, cause I figured I might as well go to Detroit. That's where my family is. And, uh, I said, hi, I want to be a priest. He's like, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Why don't you come on in? We'll talk about this. But from my perspective, like I knew. That was it. This was it. Yeah. This is what she would called me to. And the moment I walked through the door, the first time at Sacred Heart, it, a building I had never been in, I had this overwhelming sensation, like I'm home. And, and I don't know about you guys, for me, it was like, when I hear men describe when I first met my wife, like mm. I knew that's the one.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's how something.
1: it was for me. Like I knew like, that's what I'm called to. Hmm. And, and I can't wait.
0: So what was this voice like? Cause Bishop Battersby was saying like, he heard the voice of God and he never heard anything more lovely. Than love itself. It was love itself. I mean, did you have that kind of feeling as well when God spoke to you, or was it more of just. A...
1: So I, I, had an, I had an encounter with the Lord uh, maybe four years before this that um, helped me know this was Him. Um, I, w- I wouldn't describe it as love, wouldn't be the first way I'd describe it. Hmm. Not that it wasn't loving. Yeah. The first way I would describe it was um, clear. Hmm. Like convicting without being uh, condemned. Like there was just a clarity of the voice, like, John, this is what you want. You have to choose it. Mm -hmm. You have to say yes, but that's what you want. And it was so truthful. I just knew it.
0: Yeah. Clear as day. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I knew to avoid it would be like, I'm tired of being miserable. Tired of being frustrated. Tired of living my life without meaning.
0: Okay, let's go. Yeah. It took Bishop Battersby 10 years. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it took he me kn- two days.
1: <laughs> That's why he's <laughs> a bishop, though. <laughs> yeah. So you came
0: to this seminary to meet the, the vocation director, and you just knew immediately when you walked into the building.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I had utmost clarity.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I never, the, the only thing I ever, I had two times when I was in the seminary where I had um, things I was seriously discerning. One was at one point I was uh, discerning whether or not God was calling me to the Jesuits. I have a tremendous devotion to Ignatius. Um,
0: Father David loves Ignatius as well. I love Ignatius.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And God uh, helped me to get clear on that in the sense that he was calling me more to diocesan life. And, uh, And the only time I ever thought of leaving, I remember going to my spiritual director. I was experiencing... I, you know, like the crisis that that we all, I think, experience at some point in, in seminary life. And um, I remember going to him and just saying, like, I, I can't do this. And he says, uh, you can't do what? And I said, I can't love the way a priest is supposed to love. And he looked mm-hmm. at me and said, are you just realizing that now? <laughs> and I went, yeah. He goes, well, good. I'm finally glad you're realizing that. Like, of course you can't. Like, there's no way yeah. you can love like this on your own but you don't have to worry about being on your own. You know, like just like we would say to a, a couple when they get married on on that day when that nuptial blessing is bestowed upon them, which is not a blessing, right? It's like a consecration is how mm-hmm. the church speaks about it. Something changes. And suddenly they get they get the way I describe it. They get plugged into the power grid mm. to love the way God calls them to love as husband and wife. They get something that they didn't have before that. They get grace, right? and one of my favorite ways to describe grace is power. Mm-hmm. It's like it's and it's and the relationship between the grace and faith is it's kind of like a light switch. You flip the switch, that's yeah. faith. That's you know, right. it's not like I'm creating electricity. The electric electricity that's in the building, that's 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 the grace. It's always there. I've always got access to it, but I got to choose to flip the switch. When we got ordained, I got plugged into the power grid. Hmm. And I don't know about you guys. There's a lot of days I, I keep the switch off, you know, but at least I'm aware I can flip the switch, you know, it's there.
2: Yeah. It's, there's something else there. Yeah. That was something I really felt um, at both ordinations, but actually, especially at Deacon ordination, I just felt there was, there was, I was very conscious. There was like this whole other dimension that I was, like you said, plugged into, hmm. uh, but I was also very conscious that I could choose to lean into it or not. You know, and and I saw it especially with preaching as a deacon. I, I hated all of our uh, preaching practicum classes. What they were? He <laughs> didn't have you. I didn't have a great instructor like <laughs> Father Craig. Um, but they were just they were so difficult. They seemed so fake. Mm-hmm. And I was always super over prepared. I had all my notes, and then I'd get all choked up when I got up there. And something, uh, something was very different the first time I actually preached as a deacon to a congregation. Hmm. And it was it was grace. You know, it was it was that. Uh, grace that you can always choose to lean into or not. So.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, right? When you come face to face with yeah. our own shortcomings or yeah. um, the need for what the Lord uh, yeah. alone can provide, even if you're, even as you're sharing that, it makes me think of a uh, experience I had like a year and a half after I was ordained, and uh, I'm in a parish and great pastor and another associate there uh, where I was, and I think we got like we had like five funerals one week. Which wasn't all that unusual. And I think I did the first four. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the pastor would just write initials on the piece of paper. <laughs> who's like, going to do this? It? Is <laughs> going to do the next one, you know? Yep. And so I'm thinking, okay, a fifth one came in. It's, it's surely Father X, you know? And uh, I see my initials on it, and I'm, I just went <laughs> ballistic. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I walked into his room. I'm like, look at this. He goes, what? He goes, why am I doing this? Why isn't he doing this? He's like, he didn't think you'd mind. He didn't think I'd mind. (laughs) Like, what's he doing? And then, so I was, um, I was just really angry. I'm angry the whole beginning of the funeral. Mm. You know, nobody can see that, but internally I'm just fuming. Yeah. And I'll never forget the the families bringing the gifts to me. And as I'm still arguing in my head with the Lord, Hmm. and they put the the wine and the bread in my hands, I hear the Lord say, you love this. Like, what would you rather be doing? Isn't this why you gave me your life so that you could give? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think it is, you know, and it, it was like the first time that um, what had been an abstract truth became a reality for me namely that man can only find himself by making a sincere gift of himself yeah that's the paradox you want life give it away yeah but i'm so selfish you know like god just had to go would you just stop complaining like, you, you
0: well, we as priests love to complain oh. i think we're like peter like what about this man that's right what about him like he doesn't have to do that why do i have to do that? you follow me <laughs> It's hard. So w- what would you say before? I mean, I, I think some of our listeners will be like, okay, I want that grace. You know, I want to be plugged into it, but I'm not yet. And and how did you get this experience? And, you know, what is it about my guests who come on who hear God audibly speak to them? <laughs> how can I have God speak to me? What What is it that you were doing that you had God speak to you? Because you weren't even going to mass, but you still had a relationship with God in a unique way with the way that you read the Bible and the way you were looking at St. Paul, you said.
1: Yeah. Well, don't imitate me. I mean, I think God did what he did with me because I was just so obtuse. He had to hit me upside the head. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think what I would say to folks is uh, the beauty, right, is whether it's through baptism or what we've been nourished by in the Eucharist or through confirmation, um, there's grace for the moment. Mm. For wherever we are right now, there's grace for the moment. You know, I remember... Uh, hearing a, a priest friend of mine say years ago uh, his favorite prayer is is I can't you can please do mm-hmm. hmm. Lord I, I can't be patient right now but you can in me so please do that I don't want to forgive hmm. right now I can't forgive right now Lord but you can in me so please do you know so when when Paul says it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me that's true for all of us hmm. you know so just to, um, I was sharing with somebody the other day, I um, I had to get a new phone and, you know, every time you get a new phone, it, it just pops up with tips. Like, did you know that your phone can do X? And I'm like, no, I actually, I, I, I had no idea I could do that. And uh, I felt like the Lord was just saying, that's what my spirit wants to say to you constantly. Like, did you know that if you would ask me for help, I would actually give it? Hmm. Like, did you know? Did you know? I mean, do we really know who's living inside us hmm. and who's dwelling in us? And so I think the encouragement would just be Lord, help me just to get to know you more and to hear your voice more yeah. and to get clarity on what are you asking of me? Because God doesn't want us to live confused. No. Um, he wants to show us what we were made for.
2: Yeah. One thing. Uh when you were sharing earlier about the Lord's voice that stuck out to me you said it was convicting not condemning and i think that's so important as we try to listen to the lord you start to uh get to know the the tone or the quality with which he speaks right mm. and it's never con- condemning right that's that's the accuser uh that's a different voice and his his voice can be convicting it can be uh clarifying it can be comforting
0: uh, but it will never be condemning yeah. You know? yeah yeah and when we don't follow his voice he just You know, you just can get in trouble sometimes. And it could be in simple things, too. I mean, I I pretty well know the Lord's voice. And, you know, I'm an artist, and I like to do art. And, you know, I haven't shown my stuff around lately. And there's this online show, and I asked the Lord, do you want me to apply for this show? You know, and he said, no, it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I said, no, I wanted to do it anyway. So I spent like half a day putting everything together, writing up Mm -hmm. articles and paragraphs of everything. And three weeks later... Thank you for applying, but you did not get accepted to the show. Go <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah, cool down, you. Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah to stay faithful to, to the Lord's voice, um, sometimes it's the opposite of what we think uh, is the right thing for us to do in the moment. But if we pay attention to his voice and know it, then it can lead us to greater things.
1: Yeah, and that's all obedience means, right? I mean, it just literally means to hear from. You know, and so obedience has become this really negative word for people. But um, the question is, well, who's talking to me? And if the one who's talking to me is the God who made me and who rescued me from hell and sin and death by pouring out his life for me, I think I can trust him more than I can trust anybody else. So who else would I be listening to? Like if he doesn't have my ear, who does? And why am I lending credence to that voice and not to God's voice? Yeah. Because no one's given me the reason to trust like he has.
0: Yeah. I mean, the culture and TV and everything can tell you how to live. It just we hear it the most. So I think that's what influences us more than hearing the voice of God. If I can back up a little bit, because, you know, I I talked to some guys and they're trying to decide whether or not they're called to the priesthood, but yet um, they have this huge desire to be married, you know, and you were, you were dating someone for seven years. So how, how did that, and you said you weren't quite satisfied and, what was going on to make you say, I think I'm going to quit this and and go into this ecumenical uh, order?
1: So I I think in that relationship, I think we just kind of grew apart, Uh, you know, as we, uh, as we continued to mature as uh, a man and a woman, we realized we had really different centers, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's a risk, right? I mean, like, um, if you don't think highly of marriage, you'd be a terrible priest. Like, if you'd be a mm, bad father mm-hmm. and a bad husband, you'd mm-hmm. be a terrible priest. And um, because priesthood is generative, it's paternal, right? We're spiritual fathers, mm-hmm. and so if you don't have the heart of a of a father, um, then you're not going to be a, a good priest. But I had, I don't know about, about you guys, I had an experience, like God gave me something, uh, it was, on a, uh, it was r- right before we made our diaconal retreat. So you were talking about your experience as a deacon. So when we're ordained transitional deacons is when a man makes a, a commitment to celibacy. And uh, so I was traveling with a couple of classmates and uh, I had a dream one night. So I don't know you, I've had like two dreams in my life. I can remember every single thing, hmm. like to this day what it looked like, what it felt like, smells, everything. So I had a dream, this is the week before we're ordained, that it was my wedding night. Hmm. Wow. It wasn't the wedding, it was the wedding night. And I, it, I didn't know who the woman was, it wasn't the person that I'd almost married. And I couldn't see mm. her face. The dream was I'm sitting on the edge of my bed and the woman I just married is getting ready for bed. And I have these thoughts going through my head. Mm-hmm. And the thoughts are I will never baptize. I will never hear confessions. I will never preach. Mm. And I remember turning around and looking at her and thinking to myself, that's really good, but it's not enough.
0: Mm-hmm. And I woke up. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I mean, <laughs> I was elated. <laughs> I mean, it was like God gave, it was a, I think it was probably just a gift that I needed. Like the Lord knew, Mm -hmm. like he gave me, it was as if I was there and I could experience it. And I knew that would never be enough for me. And I remember um, the woman I dated for so long, we uh, interacted a number of years ago and she just asked me one time, like, how are you doing this? And uh, like I said to her, I, I just came to the realization I wanted thousands of kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people look at us and they go, how do you, how do you do that? And we look at marriage and we go, I don't know how you do that. Mm -hmm. Like I have utmost, Mm -hmm. our whole lives are devoted to marriage and family pretty much. Right. But I think for most of us, it it would just be, it would be so confining to me. Yeah. Mm. I just, I just want to give like
0: crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. I think a lot of guys think, oh, you have to give up this. But your story, your dream basically was like, yeah, but look what I'm gaining. And look what I get to do. And I mean, you're a pretty good preacher. I've stole a number of your homilies. I'll say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> I stole from other people, so don't worry. <laughs> I stole many of your homilies. I mean, you're a really good preacher. And to think that there are so many people that would have never heard you preach if you've gotten married. Now you would have had probably a great family. You would have took care of them. You would have raised good children, but look at what you get to do. Right. I think for many young men, this question of giving
2: up marriage is kind of the sticking point. If God might be calling them to be a priest, I I was talking just yesterday with one of the students in the high school. We were looking at, uh, the vocations poster, right? The Hmm. priestly vocations poster. He was asking all these questions. Uh, you know, who are these guys? Who's that guy? Oh, that's father Craig. Um, you know, and, uh, and then he just kind of offhand, he goes, you know, I'll probably be a deacon when I grow up. I'd kind of like to be a priest, but I also want to get married. And that was it, you know, but it was just so matter of fact. And, uh, I didn't say it to him at the time, but I thought it later is, uh, you know, if you didn't have that desire, uh, you wouldn't even get past the application process. Hmm. You know, like 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 you can't be a priest unless you have that desire for a family, that desire to be a father, right? Because I mean, that's what we do, and uh, and uh, yeah. So, I, but I think I think that's that's the challenge, that's the difficulty often that God calls us to, if He's calling us to be a priest, right? Is to will, will you give that to me?
1: And, and I think that, don't you think the challenge is, um, they, they have no capacity, most guys, mm. to discern that because all I know about priesthood is you say mass. Yes. I don't know what you do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like, I can't picture saying mass all day long. Right. You know, like, right. I, I need something more. And so they don't, they don't understand um, your day all day long is being generative in mm-hmm. countless different ways. So it's it. going in and teaching juniors in high school, morality, or whether it's being with somebody at a bedside or whether it's counseling somebody or whether it's shepherding a flock. I mean that a man is made to be generative, not to be mm-hmm. bored. Yeah. They just don't know how priests are generative because they don't see us.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, it's not like you can, Hey, you want to, Sit in on a confession for a little while. And, <laughs> you do know, hear what we hear. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you don't get to do that, but you can shadow us and, yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah. And when that happens, it can be really revolutionary. I think for guys,
0: mm. I oftentimes find, and maybe this says something about my pastimes, but I mean, I have some pretty good pastimes. I like music. I like making art. But I'm sometimes bored because of all the stuff that I'm doing as a priest every single day, sometimes it's 12, 14 hours and yeah, I take breaks and I'll take naps and everything like that. That's, you know, pretty cool to do. But there's something that's really appealing every single day to wake up and to do the things that God is calling me to do where there's energy to it there. You know, I'm like, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right Mm -hmm. now. I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to what I'm doing. I feel good after I've done it. No, there's some things where you know, I've messed up and it's been bad and I'm like, Oh Lord, help me do it better next time. But there's a giving of myself all day long that, um, is worth it, you know? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you get a day off when there's like nothing to do like that. And then you're like, I want something to do, (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. you know, like watching the movie. Yeah, it's fine. It's great to watch a movie, but I want to do this again. Like I did yesterday. Yeah. I want to give life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just talking
1: to a guy who was just recently ordained and, uh, he was sharing with me, I think the first funeral he did was uh, a child who uh, was born and then uh, died within three hours. Yeah. And uh, I think he said he, he began his homily. These people have become his some of his best friends he just began his homily by saying, I have no preparation for this. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't trained what to do right now. I, I just yeah. know these things. Like I know God, I, kn- I, I know he yeah. loves, I know he's destroyed death. Um, I know his power is made perfect in weakness. I know he's with us and I, I know it's good to cry right now. And I, I, that's come into mind just because an experience like that um, is an experience that I don't know anybody else who has things like mm-hmm. that, like we do. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's every day in one way or another, yeah. we're with people at extraordinary moments of their lives mm-hmm. and to have that privileged opportunity to be Jesus. To somebody in in the highest of highs, or the lowest of lows, and uh, you know, to get on your knees at night and just to thank him for the opportunity that, like, despite who we are, or at least who I am, you know, that God can work through really broken vessels to bring <laughs> comfort and hope and encouragement. Man, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade my life with anybody in the world. Yeah.
0: And it is really amazing those highs and lows that you get to be a part of, you know, I'm someone who's very introverted. You know, the chit-chat stuff is not really my thing. I'd rather just get right to the heart of the matter. And you do that a lot of times as a priest when mm-hmm. you're talking to a couple that's having uh, problems in their marriage or just in their relationship. You go into the hospital and in these moments. I had a similar experience as that newly ordained priest. It was my first year as a priest, and pastor goes away and all of these funerals came in and all these anointings came in and someone died. And I went to the house and they were still there And I had no idea what to do. And I just stood up against the wall for like three hours as everything was happening around me. And every now and then they would kind of pose a question to me. But I just stood like a goof against the wall, just (laughs) not knowing what to do, and then left. And then the next day I met with the family to plan the funeral. And and I remember the one man looked at me and he says, how did you know what to do yesterday? (laughs) I go, what do you mean? He goes, you were just there. You were silent presence that mm-hmm. we needed. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to speak. We, you know, you would have said something probably we wouldn't want to hear. How did mm-hmm. you know to be quiet like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know what yeah, to say. Well, you know, <laughs> <pretty> much, <laughs> you know. But it was amazing to be a part of that, to be there yeah. with them. And and sometimes we don't, if, if anybody's afraid of like, well, what am I supposed to do in these things? It's like the God, God will provide, our God will provide whatever yep. it is that we need at that particular moment. It's grace for the moment. That's it. Yeah. Not in advance
1: for the no. moment. Yeah. You know, how many times have, have the three of us walked into situations, and you're walking into a room or a house? You're like, "I have no no idea what I'm going to do here, Lord. Just help," and he, and He helps. He He puts words in our mouths. He helps us to be patient, to hear, to listen, and like God is just extraordinarily faithful. Yeah. We just have to trust.
2: Yeah, that's, it. Yeah,
0: that's it. So, what was seminary life then? Like for you, I mean, you walk into this utter seminary. hell. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love oh, seminary.
1: Uh, I was here for so I was at Sacred Heart for a year and a half. I I came into I started taking classes uh, in January, and at the time they weren't they weren't letting guys move mid-year, so I took I don't know three four classes I think commuting, and then moved in uh, the following fall. Was here for that year, finished up pre-theology and then um, went overseas to do theology. And I loved it. I, I met extraordinary guys. Um, uh, I felt like I, I got to know the saints. They went from being names on a church to, to friends. Mm.
0: Um, you want to explain that experience a little bit about going to Rome to study? Because there are a few guys every year that the archbishop picks along with the seminary who are Gold. obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> who get to go to Rome. And, uh, I know why I wasn't called to go to Rome. <laughs> I was sent cause
1: we got to get him out of here. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was somewhat different. So I went in 92. So like there was no internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there were no cell phones. Yeah. And I was still in high school. You were still in high school. Father David
0: wasn't born yet.
1: And you weren't born. That's great. I'm feeling really, <laughs> feeling really great right now. Uh, I'm gonna go grab my Brill cream. Um, so it, it was a death, you know. And in, in fact, you were talking mm-hmm. about the voice of Jesus and how his tone is. And I remember when uh, I was, they had asked me to go, and I was praying about it because I didn't want to go. Um, I'd, I'd moved back to Michigan to be close to my family, and I knew if I moved to Rome, I'm gonna lose significant years with my family because I won't be able to, I can't see him, I can't call him. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to write because that's what we did back then, right? And I had this image of the Lord. I was lying in a grave and Jesus was standing uh, outside the grave with a shovel in his hands and dirt. And he just had this smile on his face and he said, John, it's time to die. Mm. And he was just throwing dirt on me. and <laughs> And I knew that, like that was why he wanted me to go was. I needed to learn to really die to self, to die to mm-hmm. my own reliance on me, um, to thinking that somehow priesthood was some sort of glorified bachelorhood. Um, so I, I went overseas and uh, I, I really learned to pray. I went over with, um, with one guy that I knew. Uh, but you never feel quite as alone as when you're surrounded by beauty and you have nobody to share it with. Mm-hmm. And so I felt horribly alone for five, six months and, uh, wanted to come home. I mean, I really hated it. And, uh,
0: and they don't let you come home for the first two years either.
1: Right. Yeah. And, uh, I wanted to come home for good. Oh. Uh, I'm like, you, I think you guys made a mistake, you know, blah, blah, blah. I went out with a, a priest that I knew who had been sent over there to do graduate work. And I just, you know, after like four months, I said, it, it is so dark here for me. And he said, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe it's dark because Jesus is so close. He's blinding you.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I like that. And I'll never forget that. I mean, it just changed everything for me. But I, I wrote a letter uh, to the rector at the time saying, I, I, I want to come back. And it was somewhat lengthy. And I don't know why, but I never mailed it. And hmm. um, when I was moving home uh, after four years, I found the letter hmm. and I reread it. And I thought, oh my gosh, because by that time, Rome had become an oasis for me. I met mm. the best friends I've ever met in my life. Um, Jesus really taught me how to pray um, because I could, I could walk into churches and pray at the, at the graves of the martyrs. I got to know the saints. I, had a, I, I got a tremendous love for John Paul. We met him so many times. I mean, there was just so many great experiences in the middle of the difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading the letter and, uh, and just kind of crying in gratitude and I said, uh, Lord, I will never doubt your faithfulness again. I mean, you turned an absolute desert into an oasis, wow. but, um, the, the, problem is the only way God can show his faithfulness is he has to put you in a situation where you don't think he could come through. Yeah. And be, I, I be wish desperate. that, yeah, I wish you could learn that like once and then move on, be done <laughs> with that. But it, like, that just keeps coming up, you know, over and over again, yeah. but.
0: What would you Mm -hmm. say to a guy who maybe feels like that just about entering the seminary, about applying for it, that there's this desert, but there's this certitude almost that God is calling me. I don't necessarily want it, but what should I do in this situation?
1: So we have to move, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, like Mm -hmm. I I, got to give God a chance to show what he can do, and which means I have to respond some way. Mm -hmm. And so I... I don't know about how you guys would say it, I'm sure this is how you say it to the guys you're talking to. I don't know why any man who's eligible to come into seminary wouldn't come if you love Jesus. Like, Mm. come, because because if you really love the Lord and and you're not married, you're going to have at some point in your life a nagging sense that maybe I could have been a priest Or, or, Mm. or better, maybe God was calling me to priesthood. Mm-hmm. but for for the guys that we know who, you know, came into seminary with us or years on either side of us who left, they're totally at peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I gave God a chance. Yeah. I asked him, you know, I, I put myself out saying, I'm willing to do this Lord. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was discerned no. And so they mm-hmm. can go, okay, then he must be calling me to something else. And I don't have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. I had versus... a classmate like that. Just, is his whole life was on hold for like 10 years because he just had this nagging feeling, but he never wanted to ask a girl out. He never wanted to do anything because there was this nagging feeling that I, I'm supposed to be called to the priesthood. And he came to the seminary, changed his life around. He like, hmm. you could just saw him come alive and he was so happy and he left hmm. and, and he got married. He's got like three kids. He went back to the same job because <laughs> he hmm. loved it. But he can be at peace now. He's at yep. peace now. He knows. He uh, gave the Lord an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's, uh, I liked what you say, we have to move though. You know, uh, just kind of sitting stagnant is never, it's never life-giving, right? And uh, I know for me, it was very clear, once it was very clear, the Lord was calling me to be a priest. This was before I entered seminary. Um, I had this um, question in my mind that I think I've talked about before of like, okay, is he calling me to diocesan priesthood or order? Hmm. And I never got the crystal clarity with that, Um, but it was really just, okay, I need to do something. Uh, this seems like the best option, Lord. I'm gonna go with it. If it's not your will, just put up a brick wall. I'll run headfirst into it, and then I'll know to take another option. You know, and that never happened. And uh, you know, you got the little confirmations along the way, but sometimes it is. You just have to, you just have to move, move yeah. in some direction, and trust that if if it's the wrong direction, the Lord will correct it.
1: You know? Yep. I think very visually. You know, it's how I, it's how I pray. It's how I think, mm-hmm. and the visual for me has always been. You know, like I'm a. I'm a boat and I'm going to, I'm going to start sailing towards a shore, yeah. towards a destination. And, um, if that's not where you want me to go, Lord, you can, you can blow the winds that's it. And, or, or strengthen the waves so as to either put me back or put me in some other destination. But if I stay on the shore, like the boat can't move, mm. you know, so I, all I got to do is get into the water and then I can have, you know, uh, a direction and let God lead me from there. And he does. He, you know, in, in seminary, he'll he'll do it not just in our own personal discernment, but by others discerning as well. Like, hey, we're so glad you're here, but uh, no, <laughs> we're so excited for you. God's got another life for you. Isn't that great? It's I not this. To,
0: I talk to guys sometimes, and they tell me, well, just because I'm interested, I mean, you, you guys are need numbers, right? I mean, like, no, it doesn't work that way. Mm. And they're surprised that. Just because you're interested doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get accepted into the seminary and become a priest.
1: That's like marriage, right? The girl's got to say yes. Exactly. <laughs> Just because I want to marry you doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, so true. So, but I want this. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was really good for you? Like, was there a person that you talked to? Was there a book? Was there something that really helped you along in your discernment besides hearing the voice of God, of course? <laughs> I'm sure there wasn't, that wasn't all of it. I mean, like you said, there were different problems throughout seminary life and stuff like that, but what was very helpful for you that could be helpful for guys listening?
1: Probably a lot of things. I think the single most significant thing for me, and I didn't realize it at the time, was um, was my father. So I was, mm. I'm the youngest of five kids, and uh, when I started going through My convert, when I began my conversion, I'm still in the middle of it, but when I began my conversion, I remember going home to my dad and talking to him about uh, what I was going to do coming out of college. And um, I had a really hard conversation with him because I felt like I was um, more or less saying to him, hey, thanks for shelling out tons of money for my education. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life right now. And I'm Mm. going to go work there so I can try to figure this out and pray and live in this household of guys. And my dad looked at me and said, uh, son, whatever you do, I will bless. Hmm. And uh, in fact, he said to me, if you, if you want to be a priest, uh, I'd bless that. I'm like, um, thanks, but I'm not interested in <laughs> that. Don't worry <laughs> about it. But I didn't realize it until so much later. Um, my dad saying that to me gave me permission. Mm-hmm. It was huge. Uh, you know, So for parents who might be listening, especially fathers, Um, Give permission to your sons, like let them know whatever God's plan is for you. I bless that and it's okay. Um, That was the biggest thing I think for me, my -hmm. family was, even though my family wasn't all Catholic, um, they were really positive about me pursuing this. They all loved the Lord. So they were thrilled with, you know, just the step in discipleship. They didn't get the celibacy thing, those who aren't Catholic, mm-hmm. but, um, and then I think God just put good friends around me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you have to trust that if you're going to, you know, if, if you feel a call to, to priesthood or to seminary, like God, God never calls us in isolation. And so he, he has so many friends, you know, and I'm sure you guys would say the same thing when Jesus says, nobody who's given up husband or wife, children, Lands for my sake won't be repaid, you know, a mm. thousandfold with, w- persecution. with persecutions. Absolutely, <laughs> that's right. But that's not, that's our lives, you that's know. Like yeah. God has just so abundantly blessed us, mm. um, including with crosses. Yeah.
0: That's
1: it. And uh, so you don't have to. You're not. You're not going to be alone. Um, God provides for all our needs. Yeah. You just got to yeah. trust that again. And that's the heart of everything. It's just trust God knows what he's doing. And he wants to lead us, but he he leads us, you know, scriptures say his word is a lamp for my feet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which means I only see the next step. It's a lamp. It's not not the the whole path. Not the sun. Yeah. Right. It's not a street light. That's
2: right. That's right. Father John, I have a question for you. You shared that um, as you were reading the Bible and hearing the Lord, mass wasn't a big priority in your life. And then you said, uh, as a priest, you're saying a funeral mass and you hear God say, you're doing what you loved, right? What changed there?
1: Yeah. So uh, a guy named Abbot Jeremy Driscoll was what changed. Mm, So Abbot Jeremy Driscoll is the Abbot now at Mount Angel Abbey in uh, Oregon. And uh, he was teaching a class in Rome called the relationship between the liturgy and fundamental theology, which probably sounds boring (laughs) as toast. (laughs) And so I was already ordained a deacon. And I'm so I you know, I would sit in the back of the chapel and seminary. I'm like, Lord, I can't wait to to preach, I can't wait to hear confessions, I can't wait to walk with people, disciple mm-hmm. people. I don't get what's going on here at Mass. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm gonna do this every day of my life, and most days it's gonna be more than once, but I need a little help, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he gave me help, and the help was Abbot Jeremy. Mm. And uh, I would run from this guy's class to pray Mm -hmm. like a light bulb went off, like somebody finally made sense for me Mm -hmm. as to what's happening here and how God's moving here and how God's revealing himself here in his word, which is not just being um, told, it's becoming an event, which is happening. Mm -hmm. Like, Like the Jesus who's speaking in the gospel isn't just talking to the blind man saying, what do you want me to do for you? He's talking to me Mm -hmm. right now asking the same question. And that Jesus who's asking that question is about to become flesh Mm -hmm. hidden under the appearance of bread and given to me so that I can be strengthened, so that I can know him, so that I can go out into the world and, Mm -hmm. uh, and tell others about who it is who's present here, pouring out his life for us again. So, um, yeah, God again God knows what we need and it, it took my last class literally in seminary to change the mass for me.
0: Wow. Well, Does beautiful. he has he written a book or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, he's written
1: several books. Uh, one's called What Happens at Mass, uh, which is One spectacular. Of
0: the
2: best, best books on the mass there is.
1: Yeah, that was his that was his class. So I I like, I just read his notes over and over again and then he has another great book called Awesome Glory. Hmm. Uh, which is just spectacular about so he's kind the of mass about, again uh, about the liturgy okay. uh, in a particular way about Lent Holy, Holy Week and yeah. Easter um yeah he's a he's a poet who uh, just writes spectacularly he's a poet for, and
2: he knows it and he, and he knows it that's right <laughs> he's got that eloquence too um yeah. I have to confess, just like Father Craig, sometimes I, I steal a uh, homily help from you. I also steal a lot from him, though. Uh, he's got a whole series of homilies online. Oh, yeah. They're just, they're really, uh, some of them are just hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. You know, just uh, it, it, the eloquence with which he, he speaks and writes. I
1: it's, quote him all the time, and so it's a yeah. right. I saw him not too long ago, and uh, he teaches at, he used to teach at Mount Angel, and now he's the abbot, and uh, there's Catholic radio out in Oregon, and because they don't have anything else to play they play some of the stuff that i do i guess out in out there <laughs> and so he said to me one day he says you know i got students who come up to me who quote you who don't know that you're quoting me <laughs> 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 i'm like sorry about that <laughs> That's so, awesome it's, i love it awesome uh,
0: so uh, to bring things full circle we talked about preaching at the very beginning and and you know you got a lot of homilies out there and i think a lot of people listen to what you say What is it about your homilies? What is it that you do that when you speak, people want to listen? I know that's humbling, but it's true that, um, I don't know, you get some power to your words, and we know that comes from God, but what are you doing to allow that power go through you?
1: Yeah, so Father Francis Martin, who's passed away now, he was another mentor of mine. Um, Francis used to say to us, as priests, he would say, brothers, the only reason you should preach is that you have a word from God.
2: Mm.
1: And if you don't, then just go to the creed Hmm. right after the gospel. And I I have so taken that to heart. You know, like I'm I'm always just asking, Lord, what do you want to say? Like, what are you saying to me? And what do you want to say? And I think like you guys, you know, you just wrestle with the word of God. Uh, in the course of the week or in the course of the day of its daily mass. Mm-hmm. And you and I love scripture. So I love the word of God. It's really life-giving for me. Um, and I'm passionately convinced that the most urgent pastoral task right now in the church is the compelling and attractive proclamation of the gospel. Because mm-hmm. I don't think most people have ever heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've heard parts of it, but not the. they really don't know who Jesus is and what he's done and why it's logical to surrender to him. Um, but I try to keep Francis's exhortation in mind all the time and try to get on my face and just ask him, what do you, what do you want? And then you pray for an anointing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you you just, Mm -hmm. I have nothing, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be an art, you know, or a skill. Like that's not what it's about. It's about an anointing. And I think God is eager to pour out his anointing on his preachers if he would just ask him for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Really good advice. Well, we're coming up on the hour mark here. When I give you the final word, what would you say to a young man right now? Who's like, I don't know. I, th- I think maybe God's calling me. Like what advice would you give? Come. Come. <laughs>
1: yeah. risk. I, I would say risk when you were talking Father Dave, just uh, that whole idea of move, you know, yeah. um, we can, we can become so risk averse and, You know, I think sometimes guys are, you know, this sounds so stupid to say out loud, but I don't know. I'm going to give God a shot. And then like my whole future is going to be ruined if this doesn't pan out. Like, Mm -hmm. really? You really think that's how God's going to work in your life? Like you're going to give him an opportunity to, you know, uh, see whether or not he's calling you to priesthood. And if if it doesn't work, you're never going to get a job in your life (laughs) or you're never going to get married. So don't be afraid to risk Mm, everything for God everything.
0: Yeah.
2: Awesome. Because he's trustworthy. Absolutely. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming out today and speaking with us and talking about your story. Very interesting. Uh, Another man who has heard God speak to him, which is amazing. So hopefully God is speaking to all of you through him at this particular moment. Father John, would you please lead us out with a prayer?
1: Yeah, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the gracious gift of life and for choosing to create us at this moment in history with all that's going on. We ask that you continue to give us ears, uh, to hear, to recognize your voice. Give us hearts uh, to respond uh, generously to you, who have done everything for us. We ask that you continue to help us to understand who Jesus is, what he's done, and how it is that you're calling us to follow him. We ask all this through Christ our Lord.
0: Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. Many blessings to you. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. Count on it. For more information on all the great work that Father John Ricardo is doing, please go to acts29.com. All right. Well, you've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from all over the archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.